As a songwriter, it's important to listen to music with a critical ear so that you can learn from other songs because now you are a creator, not just simply a consumer. So in this series, we've been talking about different things to listen for. We talked about listening to melodies as a songwriter. We talked about listening to the lyrics as a songwriter. Today, we're going to talk about listening to arrangements as a songwriter. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to the 131st episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. Pumped to have you with us today or tonight whenever you are listening. Today we're talking about listening to the arrangement of a song. I've had a couple videos come out recently on YouTube if you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube that also relate to arranging. I recommend checking those out um, and if you're listening via podcast, well, go check out the YouTube channels as a songwriter. It's songwriter theory. Um, today we're going to be talking about arrangement. Before diving in, if you haven't already, be sure to pick up my free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song, five from a lyrical standpoint and five from a musical standpoint. It's a great way to start out if you are new to songwriting because it will give you 10 different ways to start writing a song. And if you are a veteran and you want to change things up, it will help you with that as well. Let's dive into the content. I'll link in the description below, by the way, if you're on YouTube. And if you're listening via podcast, it's songwritertheory.com slash free guide. We're going to break this arrangement thing into two parts because I see arranging as, as, as basically just two types of arranging to think about. There's horizontal arranging and then there's vertical arranging. So we're going to talk about horizontal first, but horizontal arranging is sort of how your arrangement changes over time. So think of this as, as like a track, right? Like over time, from the first second of the track to four minutes into the track, how does the arrangement evolve over time? What instruments are added? Which ones are taken away? All that sort of thing in order to make the song and keep it interesting, right? So that's specifically what I'm talking about when I talk about horizontal, over time, arrangement over time. So some questions to be asking as you're listening to the song. So we, we pose this in these episodes, in this um, mini-series, if you will, as like a bunch of questions that you should ask yourself as you're listening to music that will help you pick up on things that you otherwise might not. And that's sort of the, the purpose of this. So one question is, what are the changes, right? So this is just the simplest question of all. What things are changing? Right. When the song first starts, is it just a piano part? OK, what is that next change that happens? OK, well, there's a there's a piano and then somebody starts singing. OK, what's the next thing that, that happens? Maybe it's a single violin sustaining a single note, right? Two or four measures into the verse. And then for that second half of the verse, maybe that's when the drums come in and starts to to you know pick up a little bit. So we're looking for where are things changing? What are, the, what are the markers where like this changed? Something changed. Gave me something new to listen to. Sort of a, uh, I don't want to call it a rule, but like a, a general guideline here is, is, is giving the listener something new every four to eight measures. You want to constantly be giving something new. Now, this doesn't always mean adding a new instrument. It might mean changing the instrument part. It might mean just adjusting something. It doesn't necessarily mean like you have to have a new instrument every four to eight measures. Just something should change. Next, another thing to ask yourself is, are there 
what we can call torch passings that are happening. Now, what I mean by torch passing is oftentimes one instrument will carry a certain role in a song, but then that role will be transferred to another instrument or group of instruments. So for example, it wouldn't be very uncommon to have sort of the foundational piece of your verses in your song or in songs, right? Because we're listening to other songs and learning from them so that we can utilize what we learn for our own songs. It's not uncommon to say in the verse, you have acoustic guitar. And then in the chorus, you actually completely abandon the acoustic guitar and have a bunch of electric guitars, right? Especially in, in harder rock bands, it's really common to even, I, I was listening to Hesitate by Stone Sour today, which is a great song, by the way, but um, I, I believe, I might be wrong on this, but if I remember correctly, in the first half of the first verse, I feel like there was an acoustic guitar playing sort of the riff. And then in the second half of the first verse, now it's an electric guitar playing it. And it's pretty much electric guitars from then on out. So little changes like that, right? Another thing, right? You might have piano as like the basis of the song, that main instrument, the foundational instrument in the verses. And then the chorus is such a big chorus. That's really the power electric guitars that take over the song and really are the main thing you hear besides the vocal at that point. So that's what I mean by torch passings. What are the roles of the different instruments? So something to think about is, is what feels like it's at the center of the song besides the instruments. This is what I refer to as the main instrument. It's sort of what I was just alluding to with the acoustic guitar at the beginning of the song or the piano in the, in the verse versus the, um, you know, the power chords sort of taking over in the chorus. Main instrument to me is that that instrument that you think, of, okay, if you strip this song totally away, what's the main thing you hear besides the vocal? What's, what's that main thing that's carrying the song? That if you were to have one instrument playing with the vocalist is most important. So that's a role, right? Because in some songs, for example, you have an acoustic guitar that is very much the main instrument with a singer on top of it. And then you have a piano kind of off to the side playing sort of just a riff, right? It's not full chords. It's not a full, uh, a full riff, if you will. It's just like one note. It's, it's somebody with their right hand doing a simple melodic type thing, right? That would never be the foundational piece of the song. That's it's just that riff. It's just that motif, if you will, and the singer, right? But it would be a thing for a singer to have the acoustic guitar play, and that's that's the entirety of what's necessary. So in that case, that would be the main instrument. So what's what's at the center of the song? And then what are some of the stylistic choices of the different instruments? Something that I think is really fun, and I've talked about this before, but I, I think sometimes people misunderstand how many levels there are to what you can be creative about and something we're going to talk about next week is even sort of song structure right and i think song structure is something we won't go too deep into it because again it's next week's subject but song structure is a thing that people take for granted like oh verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus blah blah, blah. like if you play with that and you actually try something different and you're intentional about the different parts you have that can be a new way to add some additional creativity in your song that really helps it stand out really helps it uh be more interesting I guess, than it otherwise would be. But another thing that's in that realm is is, this, is the stylistic choices of, of instruments. So 
different genres of music traditionally have different stylizations, right? Or different instruments they use. For example, if you hear a steel guitar in a country song, you think, yep, that seems about right. If you hear a steel guitar in a pop song, it would sound a little foreign and different. Maybe less so now with the hybridization of pop and country and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, if it's a traditional pop power ballad type thing in the steel guitar, that's that's a little different. That's not exactly the most common thing. Or harmonica in a hard rock song, right? That isn't Southern rock. But aside from from genre stuff, you also have, you know, just just the amount of different roles that each instrument can play and the styles that they can be played with is a ton, right? Let's just take guitar. There's a huge difference between a guitar distorted electric doing power chords where you just hit the power chord, strum the power chord, right? And let it hold for the whole two measures that you're on that B minor chord, we'll say. There's a big difference between that and then a guitar higher up the register doing arpeggios that happens to be a B minor chord, right? That arrangement choice is significantly different. Or, you know, there's there's also, you can do a riff, a, like, it's not really a lead part so much as it's a riff on lower strings. So bands that would do this, take like a Breaking Benjamin, if you know who they are, really common thing that Breaking Benjamin does is what I call like dueling guitars. I, I don't know if there's, there's a better term for it. I don't think there's a technical term for it, but it's very common that they have this riff that's pretty fast playing. That's just the lowest string on the guitar. And then they also have a traditional lead riff on top. So it's two riffs. It's not just chords and then a riff on top. It's two different riffs. And this, and one riff is, you know, your traditional rock riff that's playing like a lead part. And the other one is on just that lowest string. So that would be like a stylistic choice. So other things to look at, right? Strings. How are strings being used? Are they used to fill in the mix? Are they used sort of in the higher end of the mix in order to give a little top end to it? Are they staccato to sort of add energy? Um, overall, what's, what's sort of the, the sound of uh, that each instrument is bringing is the, is the sound giving it this modern feel because it's it's sort of a, a synth type sound it 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 sounds very 21st century or is it you know strings and organs and stuff that gives it a little a little more classic feel to it and then another one bass bass is actually a really interesting one because there are a lot of songs where bass is basically just an extension of the guitars Right, where it's basically the bass guitar is playing along with the power chords, electric guitars, so that it's really just an extension of what the guitars are doing. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? In fact, that can be often a stylistic choice that's intentional because, for example, maybe the chords, the power chords, are actually kind of the interesting riff. That's, that's the fun part. So why do you need the bass to go off doing something different when you can just double down on that sweet riff, right? And sometimes you just want to make your guitars as thick as possible. And a great way to do that is to have the bass function as an extension of the guitars. Now this wall of guitars sounds absolutely massive because the bass is contributing to it. But 
you know, but in that case, right, you're probably not going to have a memorable baseline. A memorable baseline usually comes from the base sort of doing its own thing, having a sort of starring role that's outside of what the guitars are doing. That's a stylistic choice that we can have. And piano is a very interesting one because a lot of times, and this depends on, on the strengths of, of the band or, you know, the singer, in a singer-songwriter instance, but piano, right, is an instrument that is you think nothing of if it's the main instrument, kind of like acoustic guitar. But also you think nothing of it being sort of just a part that contributes, right? A lot of other instruments, piano and guitar are basically the only two I think that fit this. The main instrument is almost never anything other than a guitar or a piano in popular music, we'll call it. Not pop music, not like pop radio, but like in music that wouldn't be considered like classical or jazz. Um, so the role of piano changes drastically from one song to the next. I'm like, you know, bass is generally fulfilling a similar role. Sure, it can be an extension of the electric guitar. Sure, it might be have its own bass line to make it interesting. Yeah, sure. Uh, drums, almost always the exact same role, right? The drums are the main thing that's sort of driving that rhythm forward. You know, strings and most, like, strings are almost never the main instrument, right? It's sort of like you, you hire a string quartet to kind of add to your sound. But they're, it's kind of supplementary, right? It's not the main thing. Guitar and piano, though, are the main two things that can, can either be main or sort of off to the side. And so piano is is one that is something to listen for right is this is this does it sound like a pianist wrote this song like the piano is sort of that main driving force of the song or is it not what are their stylistic choices and then <clears throat> next thing we got to look at is in repeated sections what is it that's changing so something really common that happens because if you think about it, a chorus on average probably repeats three times or three and a half times, maybe on average, uh, because it's pretty rare for a song to only have a chorus happen twice, um, especially the more popular the genre. I feel like the, the more the, it caters towards more times the chorus, it's just everything feels like it's almost an excuse to get back to the chorus in certain pop like genres. But um, so probably on average, like three and a half, four. So how, when somebody is hearing the chorus for the third time, outside of just like, yes, we should write our courses to be so good that nobody's sick of it by the third time? Yes, of course. But how do you add something just a little more interesting to make sure and to really make that last chorus pop or to really just make it so that each chorus isn't underwhelming, right? Like, oh, here we go again. Just add something a little bit more to make it interesting. A common, common thing is to actually have sort of a, a not a solo guitar per se, but an extra lead part in an, in an electric guitar is very commonly in the last course, especially in genres that are somewhere in the vicinity of rock. Whether that being sort of, you know, on, on the harder end, like the disturbed area or on the softer end of what might be called pop rock. Uh, which is a term that I don't like at all because it feels, I don't know, somehow it feels like condescending to that, like, you're not real rock. You're like 
sellouts, I feel like is the, is the implication, which I don't agree with. Um, but, but so specifically in repeated sections, what are they doing to make it more interesting? So, so what I'm saying here is instead of just listening vertically across or sorry, horizontally across, think to yourself, okay, I heard the first verse. What instruments did I hear? The second verse, now that the chorus has happened, the second verse, what's changed since the first verse? What sort of change-ups have I seen? Has it in some songs, right? It completely 180s. Some songs will have like it, it will just be a piano and a vocalist in the first verse, and then in the second verse, there is no piano, right? It's just like all electric guitars and riffage and 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 nothing even playing the same part that the piano had. Of course, the same underlying chords will be the same. Um at least the vast majority of the time, but radical difference from one to the next. So look for stuff like that. Usually choruses have less radical changes, although sometimes it's not super uncommon, right, to have the first chorus sort of an octave down vocally and a kind of laid back version of it where it's like still just pretty acoustic, but then the second chorus is when it explodes into the really large chorus. Um, so these are the sort of things that you're looking for as far as a horizontal arrangement, vertical arrangement. This, this is how your arrangement stacks at any given time. So horizontal was over time, how things are changing, right? Vertical is like, okay, how are all the pieces that currently exist at any given point in time fitting together to create this arrangement of what I'm hearing? So what pitch range is, is one of the first things to look for here. Because a, a common mistake and a rookie mistake I made making um, the first album I did with my band back in the day. Because I remember we, we, we went to get it mixed, the album, and the, the criticism that the guy had, he said, like, this is great, but for future reference, um, you have a lot of stuff sort of in the mid-range, your piano part, mid-range, your guitars, mid-range, right? Guitars are basically always mid-range, especially like power chord type stuff. Um, lower mid-range, I guess, but mid-range. So we had a ton of parts that were all sort of in the same pitch area, which then A, makes it harder to mix. Um, but even just from a songwriting perspective, totally ignoring the, the recording side of things, even if you weren't to record it and you were to play it live or, or you, I don't know, if you're just arranging your song, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what context you're arranging your song to not play it live or record it. I don't know what that scenario is. That seems like a non-existent one, but taking arranging on its own, you generally want to have different parts and different pitch ranges. This is not to say you can't double up, right? Of course you can have more than, you know, one instrument in one pitch range. Otherwise you can only have like six instruments in your entire arrangement, which is ridiculous. Nobody does that. I mean, I shouldn't say nobody. Uh, acoustic artists, I guess, would. But very few. Most songs you hear, there's like 30 to 500 tracks. Not really 500. That's hyperbole. But um, a lot of professional tracks really do get up to like 120 and crazy stuff like that. But for, for you and I, we should probably stick to 24-ish. Um, but certainly more than six 
but you do want to pay attention to, you know, you don't want everything in the mid-range. So listen to these songs. What is part of what pitch range, right? The electric guitars alone might be covering a pretty wide pitch range. If you think about it, the lead part is never is usually not even playing on the same strings that the power chords are. The power chords are the lower two or three strings, right? And then the lead part is generally on the upper three strings, which right there tells you like, okay, these are not in the same pitch area, right? Or even the Breaking Benjamin thing I mentioned earlier, you know, one is on the lowest string, the riff, and the other riff is on the higher strings. Separated pitch range. The piano. You might notice if there's a lot of guitar strumming action going on, the piano part will be a little higher and it won't be so rich and mid-rangey so that it can fit in better and sort of be on top of the guitars because, again, you, you, want, you don't want things conflicting too much. Something that I do personally is I like my guitars to kind of cut because I like a lot of guitars. Um, it gives a rich, sort of powerful sound. Um, so I like a lot of electric guitars. So I, I arrange them in a way where I have my baritone electric, baritone electric guitar do power chords, which is lower. And then I'll do like higher power chords with my gen, almost normally tuned guitars, technically a half step down, but basically standard tuning. And then I also have one in Nashville tuning, which is just higher tuning. Just think higher. So I'll play the part again, right? So it's basically playing a similar or the same type part in three different pitch ranges already, not to mention the fact that I'll have arpeggios and little lead parts. I'm not a great lead guitarist, so I don't do anything fancy, but you know, little little melodic stuff that are higher on those like higher three strings. So I'm explicitly laying that out. And then piano, I usually put wherever the heck I want the piano riff to be, because that's like the instrument closest to my heart. And I'll arrange things around that. It's often the main instrument. And then strings sort of are a thing that I put a little higher in order to add some to the higher end, right? Because most of your traditional instruments, guitar and piano, tend to be pretty mid-rangey. So I put the strings higher. I also tend to use a lot of synth-type stuff, bells and, and, and other synth sounds from Omnisphere. Not sponsored, but if you want to spend like 450 bucks and like never need to get another patch of sounds ever again in your life... Uh, Omnisphere is the way to go. Um, in my opinion, anyway, I got it. I use it all the time. It's great. Um, I know it's a lot of money, but it's great. <coughs> so, excuse me. So with those sounds, I tend to put them sort of on the higher end. And then a new thing I'm doing now is I actually utilize a, an organ to sort of supplement the bass, to add a little more strength to the bass sound. But I'm explicitly thinking about like, okay, layer these in in different pitch ranges. So if you listen to the songs, whatever songs you're listening to, listen for that. Also think about the rhythmic holes. You don't want everything playing at the exact same time. Now, often, almost all your instruments are going to come in and play all at the same time on, like, the first beat, right? So if you, so let's say 4-4 four, four time, it's 1-2-3-4, right? So the 1 beat is the strongest strong beat. A 3 is a strong beat, too, but, but not as strong as the 1. So a lot of times, right, whether it's your riff starting on the 1, whether it's your vocal starting on the 1, the power chords playing on the 1, a lot of things will be playing on the 1. But from there, you want to mix it up, right? So think about, for example, maybe you have one part that's on every quarter note. Let's take 4-4 four, four time in this instance. 
So you get one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Some instrument is playing that. Another instrument might be playing one, two, three, four. So like the entire measure, they just hit on the one, right? So this is common for power chords. You play the power chord on the one and just hold it out for the whole measure or two measures maybe even. And then you have parts that are actually doing something that's syncopated. Right? So it's not quite on any of the beats. It's a little more melodic by nature. Or, you know, you might have arpeggios that are syncopated. Or, or arpeggios you might have that are going even faster than quarter notes. So maybe they're more in the 16th note range where they're sort of just adding a, a nice sort of texture of arpeggios. So think about the different rhythmic holes, if you will. Um, and a great way to do that is just constantly think, okay, what's a new rhythm that I can add with this next part? Or in this case, when you're listening to other songs, right? What rhythm is that one part, right? If I just tap out that one part and what's doing, right? So we're taking the melodic aspect out of it. If it's a melodic part, we're, we're taking all the notes out of it. We're just taking rhythm, right? Like what role is that fitting? You know, is one thing going one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and the other one's going one one right and then another one's going one to dun 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 right all, all the different things that can combine together to sort of create this entire texture of different different rhythms that help each thing stand out a little bit on its own even if it's a, in a supplementary role to help make it um not all blend in too much it creates this interesting soundscape where there's a lot going on there's a lot of different things that you can pick out if you listen carefully enough so also what what texture generally are are these instruments and these parts adding to the song right there's a big difference between violins doing a staccato dun 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 right like that versus some doing some beautiful haunting melody that's pure legato right so the staccato sort of energy driving sound is very very different than the sound of doing something very legato and then the different instruments, which ones are adding warmth, which ones are adding, um, you know, even <laughs> thickness, right? So, for example, I, I mentioned that I'm, 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 really, I'm really, really liking organs lately, sp specifically to fill out the bass. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a texture thing for me. I really, really like, I like bass. And bass is pretty thick, right? And I like my bass pretty thick. I'm not somebody who's like, oh, I want fuzzy bass. Or, no, no, no. I want my bass to be thick and to sort of almost be like a drone of just low. Like I want to activate that sub a lot. And I want and but I don't really need it to have any flavor of like slapping and, and, and fuzzy. I, I don't need that stuff. What I like is the thickness of just pure bass. And this organ helps add to that and it gives it that rich acoustic like texture. There's something about the texture of an organ playing a low note that just is so cool to me. And that's a texture decision, right? I like the texture of a low organ. I like the texture of piano low. Single piano notes low combining with bass is something that can really, it adds a lot of attack because piano has a lot of attack because it's literally a hammer hitting a, a string basically or a series of strings. Um, so th those sort of things are also things to be listening for. What, what texture are all these different parts adding to the song and, 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 you know, 
do you like that texture? Is Because you can take certain things that you hear in other songs, even if it's not a genre that you make, you can incorporate ideas from other genres. I, I very much encourage you to do this. It's a great way to sort of get outside of the box of whatever genre you tend to write in. A great way to do that is to adopt from other genres. Something I did recently was to actually adopt a little bit of a more Breaking Benjamin style. I, I talked about that low riff, right, on the lowest string only. I actually adopted that in the chorus of a song of mine that's not at all a Breaking Benjamin rock. Like, it, it doesn't even really have electric guitars in the verses. It's very much a piano-driven song. But then it sort of has that Breaking Benjamin style low single note thing going on. Layered, of course. I have a bunch of guitars doing the same thing. And it makes it different. It's just, it's something I haven't heard in that type of, in that context, in that type of song. As an interesting texture to the song that wouldn't necessarily be common, even though there's nothing revolutionary about what I'm doing. It's just different for the genre. So last question to ask yourself is overall, what are the different jobs the instruments have? And we, I, I think we talked about arranging uh, a couple months back. So I don't want to go too deep into this because this part specifically, I think I talked pretty in depth about, but the whole, like, you know, not everything can be a star, right? What is the star besides the vocal? The vocal is basically always a star should be. Um, but you know, there, there's a solo maybe, or a lead guitar part that really stands out. Maybe the piano riff is sort of that, that main thing that you remember, right? Say, don't stop believing by journey. One of the main things you're going to remember is the bass line. So the bass line is very much a starring role. Everybody knows that bass line, right? Or like seven nation armies, seven, no, that's the name of the song, seven nation army, which, uh, anyway, the song drives me crazy. Please call, if you are in a college band, please say to your band director, let's do another song 50% of the time. I'm so sick of every play, every play being like, oh, let's play Seven Nation Army again. Stop it. Anyway, soapbox over. But it's actually not a bass, but, but that riff, that guitar riff that is pitch shifted down to sound like a bass, whatever, that is very much... A starring role, right? To the point that nobody probably knows or gives a, a rip about the lyrics. Um, they're just like, oh, cool riff. Um, <laughs> so um, another thing to note is there are some instruments that very much don't have a starring role, but they, they sort of hold the fort. What I mean by that is they're very foundational, where you really couldn't take them away without the song feeling empty. The quintessential, like, perfect example of this is think your power chords in your chorus, right? If, if you're thinking about, like, a pop song that isn't really guitar-driven, right? It's not Breaking Benjamin or Disturbed or, or uh, you know, insert any harder rock band here. Where, like, electric guitars are sort of driving the whole thing, right? But sort of a pop song where, like, oh, there's, like, synths and a bunch of instruments that aren't real and sounds and stuff. And then, like, you have the electric guitar sort of come in in the chorus that just is, like, strum, hold out, strum, hold out to sort of thicken up the chorus. That is sort of your quintessential foundational instrument, right? If you took that away, that song would sound really empty and, like, the foundation was taken away from it. Uh, they're very important. They don't have a starring role, right? Because you're not really paying attention to that. It's just power chords, whatever. Um, 
but it is very important. It's foundational. And then other instruments are supplement are supplemental. Um, and this is going to depend on genre and stuff, right? But for me, for example, uh, very much the body of the song is is very traditional band stuff. Piano, guitar, um, drums, bass are the main part of the song. I have strings and organ as like a supplemental thing. Organ for the texture that I like. Strings also for the texture I like. And I like um, sort of warmth. And I like more the, I don't want to call it old school, but I'm not... I'm not exactly a person who loves the idea of doing all virtual everything and synth everything. Not really my thing. Um, I mean, I, I like it. I enjoy listening to it. But for me, writing, I really like the, the real instrument sounds. But I do. I do like enough of the modernness. I really like some some rock bands like Starset that like incorporate the, the synth element with the the like true rock stuff I think I think it pairs really nicely uh, and I, I actually like synths and, and bells and stuff like that to sort of add a little top end sheen and give it a little bit of a more modern feel because otherwise my stylistic choices sounds a little uh, early 2000s band style uh, so it gives it a little bit more of a modern sheen example of supplemental right it's just something to sort of add to the texture add something to the top end have something to be kind of higher up because a lot of the other instruments I tend to play are, are more mid-rangey or low. So thinking about the different jobs of the different instruments that you can hear in whatever song you're listening to, what are the leads, what's foundational, what's supplemental. Hopefully this was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to drop a like if you're on YouTube. If you are not on YouTube, thing you can do to help is to leave a kind review if you enjoyed this. I do see some of your really kind reviews that come through. I get emailed sometimes, some of them. Um, so I really appreciate all of you who have taken the time to do that. It means the world to me. And every time I hear kind words from any of you, I, somebody, one of you um, a couple days ago, literally just sent me an email that was like an encouragement of like, hey, I really enjoy the podcast. You didn't even have a question for me. Um, which by the way, I'm, I'm happy with questions. So this don't, don't read this as Joseph likes emails where there's no question. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I really appreciated the fact that this person reached out to me just to say they really enjoyed the podcast and thank you for the podcast. Didn't even have a question to ask or anything like that. They just were kind enough to say that. And that means a ton it means a ton as well. When you have a question, I really enjoy answering all your questions. Um, but just Whenever any of you do any of that, it it means a lot to me. So I want to make sure that that is always heard and that you guys always know that. Um, but yeah, if you're on YouTube, again, drop a like, subscribe. And again, if you haven't already, pick up that 10 different ways to start writing a song at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Next week, I believe we're wrapping up this series. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week.